My whole saying in my practice and even now for Thyroid Nation is there is no reason to still have thyroid symptoms. And I really believe that there isn't. And that is the goal. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Over a year ago, while working on my newest book, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution, a series of symptoms screamed in my body loud enough for me to run a full thyroid panel along with two thyroid antibody tests. Those antibody tests were thyroid peroxidase antibody, known as TPO, the most common test for autoimmune thyroid disease, and it can be detected in Graves' disease or Hajimoto's thyroiditis, and a thyroglobulin antibody, TGAB. This antibody targets thyroglobulin, the storage form of thyroid hormones, which was causing my symptoms. I want you to know that I went undiagnosed for several years, and most women do. It takes an average of five to 10 years to get an official diagnosis for low thyroid function or thyroid dysfunction overall. To be honest, I initially thought it was stress from all the work I was putting in to getting the book finished on the tight deadline that I had. But after implementing my stress protocols and doing what I knew best because I had chronic stress in the past, I still felt crappy and the weight wasn't coming off. Initially, As I've shared with you a couple different times, I was devastated by this diagnosis and I felt embarrassed that I kept missing it for a couple of years. And that's because my thyroid panel looked great. And therein lies the problem. Many people are being overlooked because their initial panel looks okay or even great. That doesn't mean that the body isn't targeting your thyroid behind the scenes like it was mine. Now, my diagnosis influenced a big part of that book, technically part three of the book, my 14-day hormone rescue program in the book, which thousands of women have done with incredible success, was slightly adapted to include an anti-inflammatory thyroid, liver, and gut healing protocol, or focusing on gut healing foods. I basically follow that program about 99% of the time at this point, since I'm not out of the woods yet and I'm still working on healing my thyroid. It very much is a journey that can take some time. Now I wanted to invite one of my thyroid gurus who's been such a big help in this journey, McCall McPherson, to come on and converse with me about the commonality of thyroid issues today for women and address the big elephant in the room. What if your thyroid actually is your problem? But before we jump into this powerful interview with McCall, as I shared earlier this week, next Tuesday, July 9th, I am excited to announce that I am kicking off my Essential Oils Hormone Solution Virtual Book Club for the summer. Now, I'm going to be going through each chapter of the book and answering questions on Instagram and Facebook Live. And you can join me for the kickoff Tuesday at 12 p.m. and 3 p.m. ET. That's Tuesday, July 9th on both Instagram and Facebook. Now, I may be doing a couple of giveaways as well, so you definitely want to join me for the kickoff. Now, if you don't have a copy of the Essential Oils Hormone Solution yet, no worries. You can grab it for 30% off on Amazon. Thank you, Amazon. And the link will be in the show notes for this amazing episode, which is going to be episode 105, which I'm so excited about. Now, you also can get access 
to all of my bonuses for this book if you're grabbing it for the first time. And these bonuses are designed to support your hormones and it's just a really big thank you from me. We've had over 15,000 people download the book bonuses and you just gotta go to drmarisa.com slash hormone book to claim those bonuses as all these other amazing women have. Now, during the book club, I'm gonna be covering solutions for stress and overwhelm, chronic fatigue, sleep and insomnia, weight challenges, cravings, brain fog, hormones, women's hormones, fertility, perimenopause, menopause, libido, emotional balance, anxiety, depression, and mood swings. I talked about brain fog, hot flashes, and vaginal dryness. I mean, digestion, detoxification. I mean, I cover it all. The book is literally comprehensive. And how you get the most out of it is you're gonna be looking for my posts a couple times a week about a chapter in my book. Gonna be on Facebook and on Insta. Facebook, it's Dr. Marisa Snyder because I couldn't grab Dr. Marisa, someone already had it. But everything else is just Dr. Marisa. So Instagram is Dr. Marisa. So that's D-R-M-A-R-I-Z-A. Watch, if you are an IG person, I love me some Instagram, watch my stories for an even deeper dive. But note that I will be doing lives where I'm answering questions and both lives will be saved. On Instagram, it'll be on IG Live and on Facebook. Well, that's the great thing about Facebook Lives is they are always there. So they will be stored so you can go back later on that day or later on that week and catch up and see the questions that were answered. Hopefully your questions were answered as well. All right, now I wanna take a moment and celebrate you. I love to celebrate your wins. And one particular rock star is Angie Fernet. And I am excited to shout out her win that she shared on Instagram just about two days ago. So here's what Angie had to say. Marisa, you are the best. Keep sharing your truth around women's health. My mom shared your podcast with me after she knew I was struggling with anxiety and unexplained weight gain. She thought it may be my hormones. And let me tell you, she was right. Go mom. I can't thank you enough for the resources and I share it with all my friends and family. I have literally listened to episodes with my mom in the car. Well, thank you so much, Angie. You are definitely a girl after my own heart and your mama. And congratulations on your big win in regulating your hormones. And I just want to not only shout you out, but along with your mama for hooking you up. I'm holding space for your healing miracles. And if you're listening today, girl, I would love to give you and your mama, since she's the one who put you onto the podcast, my superwoman blend. You know, that blend is my zone of genius, hormone balancing. It's so incredible. I just love to share it. And all you gotta do is just reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Dr. Marisa. Well, fellow podcast listeners, you know what time it is. I love to shout you out. And you can reach out to me on the social channels I just mentioned or simply review this podcast on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you plug into. I can't tell you how much I love receiving these messages. It just fills my heart with so much joy. And it I mean, I already know that this work is disseminating. My gosh, we're close to we're close to 600,000 downloads right now, but it feels so good to just hear from you personally that you're having such great success. Now let's dive into this incredible conversation with McCall, but first I wanna sing her praises. McCall McPherson is the founder of Modern Thyroid Clinic, a thyroid-centered foundational functional medicine practice in Austin, Texas. She's the owner and chief thyroid hope giver of the thyroid advocacy platform, Thyroid Nation. 
She is a physician's assistant, recent TEDx speaker, and a thyroid expert by way of being a thyroid patient. Her passion for perfecting thyroid treatment stemmed from years of her suffering due to the mismanagement of her own hypothyroidism. Now she lives, breathes, and thrives in understanding the nuances of proper thyroid care. She is a thyroid ninja. Her philosophy is simple. There is no reason to still have thyroid problems. She spends her time helping to make it so by giving her patients their life back and teaching and advocating millions of people who are suffering who aren't working with her yet. So I can't wait for you guys to meet this incredible woman. Let's bring her on. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, McCall. How are you doing, honey? I am so, so good. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh my goodness. I am so happy. We are tag teaming today. I am. I just got interviewed on your incredible podcast, Thyroid Nation, and we're going to be talking about thyroid today, which by the way, this is an area of focus for my listeners. I think mainly because it's an area that there's still a lot of confusion and we talked about this on on the interview earlier, the length that it takes in which from onset of symptoms to diagnosis being about 10 years. And a lot of people just don't realize that some of the symptoms that are showing up are actually potentially a thyroid concern. So our topic is, what if thyroid is actually your problem? And girl, you and I both know a lot about this. Yes, we do from firsthand experience. Exactly. Well, tell me, let's, let's dive into firsthand experience. I would love to hear a little bit about your story. I'd love the audience to hear a little bit about you and how this became such a big mission for you. Yes. So, you know, I am a PA, so I'm a practicing clinician and I graduated, came out of school, was already practicing in what I thought was my dream job and was 27 and going to bed at 3.30 in the afternoon every day. Um, I'd get home from work. I'd put on my pajamas at like three and I would literally be in bed until about six o'clock the next morning. Weekends were really spent in the same way. I was recovering from work and trying to rest enough to for work on Monday. And I could never really catch up. I was, you know, 15 pounds heavier than I should be. I could hardly think at work. Um, at one point I even fainted. I just could not figure out what was going on. I was already actually on Synthroid at the time. I was already treated for thyroid. I was perfectly equipped in all medical knowledge that I needed, you know, to be able to advocate for myself and figure out what was going on, even though I was so brain fogged, only probably 30% of my brain was working. And I really kept going to my doctor and probably like so many listeners right now was begging for help just pleading and saying, look, I can't live like this. I can't function. I can hardly hold a job. I have no life outside of my job. Please, please help me. And was just really repeatedly told that my labs were fine. I went back at one point and and requested that, you know, additional labs were run from what I had found from one of the, one of the only thyroid advocacy websites at that time, thankfully a lot more around now, but was shot down again and said, you know, no, I'm only going to run this one lab, this TSH, and and everything looks fine. And in fact, McCall, we actually need to reduce your medication based on this lab, even though you have absolutely every symptom of hypothyroidism. So I was completely dumbfounded, got on the wait list for one of the only integrative medicine doctors in, in my town back then in Austin, Texas, waited three months to see him, saw him, and really within two months had a pretty profoundly life-changing experience and, and ultimately got my life back. 
very quickly that kind of changed, you know, like so many functional and integrative medicine providers that changed my trajectory of the practice of medicine. I went from completely conventional, regular run-of-the-mill medicine to I think that there's maybe some stuff that I was missing in my practice that I need to look into and and started diving more into the functional and integrative realm. And many, many years later, between my own personal experience and then just, you know, I have a, a knack for, for thyroid and hormones. Now, you know, thyroid is my jam. Now I'm the founder of Modern Thyroid Clinic, which now I get to actually give patients back their lives every day. So it's kind of a cool full circle thing. It is a very amazing full circle you know, and I'm so grateful that you shared your story and what happened, you know, being told that they wouldn't run the full panel of labs, being told that based on your, your one, which is a, let's be honest, it's a pituitary hormone, right? Right. Um, Not even an output horn does not even come out of your thyroid gland. Oh, it doesn't. And based on that reducing, I, I can't even imagine. And then just on the hope and a prayer that you would get into this practice to kind of really dig and hopefully dig into what is going on. Thank you so much for sharing that. Let's talk a little bit about some of the symptoms because that's that's really what we're looking at today is hopefully in this conversation that we're having, women begin to identify what could possibly be going on that maybe this fatigue, the brain fog, the weight gain, maybe the thinning of hair, maybe the slow digestion, the constipation, whatever may be going on, that that could be pinpointing towards a thyroid condition. Talk to me a little bit about some of the causes for this and, and what, would sh- what should we be looking out for? How is it that we can have enough information to take to a doctor to advocate for ourselves? Yes. Great, great question. And so much of this is dependent on our ability to advocate. So thyroid podcasts like this, advocates like you, people who have firsthand experience just like you are going to impact thousands and thousands of lives because it's all about being able to advocate for ourselves. So, you know, let's talk about symptoms first. And those are just a lot of what you mentioned, the fatigue, brain fog, weight gain or weight retention, coldness, just kind of where you're carrying around a sweater in, you know, more than your friends or in the middle of summer, um, dry skin, brittle nails, brittle hair, slow digestion or constipation. Um, sometimes people will even get reflux because of slow digestion, cracking on the bottom of your feet, thinning of your eyebrows, depression, low sex drive, Sometimes people will even feel like a tight feeling or a lump in their throat, which is usually indicative of Hashimoto's or some form of thyroid inflammation, but ultimately that leads often to hypothyroidism. So you want to be aware of that as well. And when you get to about five, six, seven of those, you know, I tell my patients, look, if it looks like a duck and it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's it's probably a duck because by the time women make it to me, their worst fear is I'm going to order labs and they're really going to come back normal when I order real adequate labs. And so when they get to me, I'm like, look, you've got pretty much every symptom of hypothyroidism. The chances of your thyroid lab coming back normal are slim to none because they're mortified and they never do come back normal. So, you know, I really believe if you have those symptoms and you get adequate information, you'll get the answer to know truly if you do. And, and you probably do have somewhat of a thyroid issue, you know, and as far as like, origin and what it comes from, I see, uh, you know, two big major categories is what I tell people in terms of where thyroid issues come from. One is autoimmune in nature. And what I mean by autoimmune is just basically 
where your body is attacking itself and it happens to be attacking your thyroid gland. So it's mounting an immune response and it's mounting that response against your thyroid tissue that's responsible for secreting your hormones. And so when it's attacking that tissue, instead of it being healthy and functional and secreting hormones, it's creating scarry kind of inflammatory swollen tissue, much like I kind of describe if you sprain your ankle, it gets swollen and inflamed. It doesn't function like normal ankle tissue anymore. Same with your thyroid. So when that happens, you often end up in a state of hypothyroidism. And that means low functioning thyroid. So you can have an autoimmune component to your thyroid problem. In Austin, in my practice at Modern Thyroid Clinic, I see that about 20 to 30% of the time in my patients. In Austin, we happen to have a pretty darn healthy lifestyle. Most people tend to take care of themselves. I used to have a clinic outside of Houston and flip side, you know, 80% of those people were Hashimoto's positive because they tended to have a, a worse and less healthy lifestyle. So much of autoimmune disease is lifestyle mediated. So that's kind of one driving factor of hypothyroidism. The other is, you know, this non-autoimmune component, which is extremely common. And I kind of describe that as the slow breakdown of your thyroid over time. And I see it in women all day, every day. And I tell women truly, it's not a matter of if, but when. So if you're a woman and you, especially if you have children, eventually you are going to be touched with thyroid dysfunction. I really believe that. So the sooner you can tune into your symptoms, the sooner you can tune into what to look out for and how to advocate for yourself, the sooner your symptoms will be solved and your mystery will be solved because it is such a, a prevalent issue at this point in time. And I think that that has to do with a lot of lifestyle issues, you know, potentially environmental issues causing an increased rate of the breakdown of our thyroid. But those are kind of two big categories, autoimmune and just slow degradation. When I think so interesting, when I think about the root cause of even both, that, you know, the immune system, you know, our jo the job of the immune system is to modulate, you know, whatever's going on in the body to help protect us. But from what, you know, from what we know, the immune system becomes very overactive right? It's, it's like shoot to kill. And I think that we talked to, you just mentioned that the immune system is also being triggered by lifestyle. Either, you know, maybe it's a leaky gut, maybe it is a, a high amount of, of inflammatory toxins that are hitting the system. Do you find that both at the end of the day, we look at the Hajimoto's like autoimmune route versus just slow degradation over time, are they both being driven by some of the same root causes? Just It just kind of hits us from one side or the other? I believe that mostly because I don't think that women, I think now at this day and age, we live a pretty inflammatory lifestyle. Even if we try not to, I think by nature, by proxy, we are bombarded with inflammatory insults more than 70 years ago. I don't think that people had the same rate of hypothyroidism 70 years ago as they do now. It's hard to know for sure simply because diagnosis for hypothyroidism is hard to get even now. But back then it was probably even more challenging. I view it as like vitamin D deficiency. If I pull 100 people off the street, 99 of them who aren't supplementing with vitamin D are deficient. 
you know, there's a reason for that and it's something's going on environmentally. And so I do think maybe perhaps it's not triggering a full Hashimoto syndrome, but, you know, inflammation is certainly inhibiting conversion, which is an important component of thyroid function. The activation of your thyroid hormones is very much influenced by inflammatory mediated issues. So inflammation is a big, big factor in thyroid in, in quite a few ways. Well, it's so interesting, you know, this, the statement that at some point, the majority of us are going to feel some level of decline with thyroid function. That's so often we think about the endocrine system and how sensitive it is. It's, it's really no surprise. And it's not something we want to hear, but I can absolutely see that over time, we're going to see more and more women, maybe even younger. Where do you see, McCall, in your practice, women are coming into the practice for both? Is it when we have kind of that slow decline? Is it as women are older in their 40s and 50s or maybe older than that versus Hajimoto's? Do you see that earlier? It is kind of a wide variation. Most women come to me probably in their late 30s, early 40s. I think that's a manifestation of a few things. I think Hashimoto's commonly hits postpartum. So that's usually around that time frame. It usually takes people a while to make it to my office. I am absolutely not people's first stop. Uh, I don't take insurance. I've got a long wait list. You know, all of those barriers are certainly in place. I'm, I'm the last ditch effort person. So it, it takes a while for people to make it to me. And I think by the time women are in their late 30s, early 40s, they've learned to advocate for themselves and they've figured out how to navigate the medical system in a pretty informed way. Whereas, you know, when I was 27, and even practicing medicine, I couldn't navigate and advocate for myself. I mean, it felt like a insurmountable task to find someone to help me, to convince my doctor to write, run the right labs and give me the right medication. So it really is a wide range. Now, I generally, Hashimoto's will you know, hit in postpartum in pregnancy. And then commonly, if I have really, really young patients with thyroid disorders, they also are Hashimoto's positive, like kiddos seven, eight, nine, 10. Yes, that makes sense. And I think that has to do with a lot of environmental toxins and markers there. It's so interesting that you say that too. I was thinking, I mean, we, we talked a little bit about my story on your episode and I've shared my full story in an entire episode um, here on my podcast. And you are, you're absolutely right. You know, I'll be honest with you. I, it's been a now a little over a year since my diagnosis and it's not, I'm not fully a hundred percent back to where I'd like to be. I'm still figuring it out and navigating, but they were definitely a good number of years where I just didn't see those symptoms. And so I cannot advocate enough the need for having somebody to manage your case, to be able to support you. Cause I'll, I, although I know so much and I've done so much educating, I still feel like I need someone who has an unbiased look um, to help make those types of decisions. And you know, so many women are pushed through people. So they come into my office and they're like, I don't really think I feel bad, that bad. And I'm 35 and I'm getting older. And I just kind of feel like maybe I'm supposed to not feel like I'm 22 anymore. And I'm like, what woman, you're 35. You've got a whole other lifetime to live. So we've got a lot of work to do. And then I look at their numbers and they're terrible. And I know that there's no way that they're not struggling, 
But what happens is that slowly our symptoms start and they become our new normal. And then we adapt to that and we lose sight of how good we should feel. And we don't want that to happen. You know, I tell my patients that my goal for them and how I know that my job is done and what you guys and listeners out there can use as a gauge for yourselves is on a scale of one to 10, if 10 is unattainably perfect, I want to get you to an eight or an 8.5 on average of energy, vitality, sense of well-being. The difference between an 8.5 and a 10 is a perfect lifestyle 100% of the time and nobody wants to do that. So, you know, my patients really are the ones that are like, no, no, I'm good at an eight, McCall. We can really stop here. Uh, But that's kind of what you need to be aiming for and holding yourself accountable to. And that's a decent objective measurement, you know. Agreed. I absolutely agree. And I think, you know, what, what, you know, what I'm always just so blown away by is how how incredible women are. You know, like you had said, they just kind of push through anything and everything. And it's, you know, to our own fault in a lot of ways, (laughs) you know, and women telling you, oh, you know, it's, I actually don't feel so, you know, feel that bad. And then you come to find out that so much is going on, you know, underneath the hood. So I appreciate you mentioning that. And that's why I think it's important that we talked a little bit about some of those symptoms. Gosh, as you were naming them, I was like, check, 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 check. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's not okay. My whole saying in my practice and even now for thyroid nation is there is no reason to still have thyroid symptoms. And I really believe that there isn't. And that is the goal. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about labs. Let's talk about, you know, because you and I both know that full lab panels are still not being run. I, I hear this from women every single day. So let's talk about what labs your thyroid panel may be missing. What, what are we looking at? What do we need to demand? You know, I've done several episodes where, and thank goodness, women have taken that information and on paper and taken it to their doctors and said, these are the labs that I have to have. So talk to me a little bit about that. Absolutely. 100% of regular doctors will always run a TSH. And just like we talked about earlier, TSH is the least reliable marker of all, probably. It is really a message from your brain to your thyroid that's telling it how hard to work, basically giving us a gauge of how much biological energy is being used to get your actual output hormones, the hormones that are coming out of your thyroid gland or that descend from that cascade. Now, you know, anytime it's really important and one pearl I would love for people to take away from this today is as soon as someone is put on levothyroxine, Synthroid, or T-Recent, or Unithroid, those are all what are called T4-based medications. When someone is put on those medications in particular, the TSH marker is no longer and can no longer be used reliably as an indicator for thyroid status because your TSH, it gets feedback and a message from what's called your T4 hormone. And that is your inactive thyroid hormone. Well, if you're taking that hormone orally in the form of medication and you're not actually able to use your medication, you're not able to activate that T4 hormone, you kind of just hold on to it. You kind of stockpile it and sequester it and it artificially lowers your TSH and manipulates it. So anytime someone is on levothyroxine or Synthroid and they feel like their medicine isn't working, 
and they go to their doctor and they say, hey, I don't feel well. I feel like my medicine isn't working. And their doctor says, oh, well, your TSH looks great. Or just like me, oh, we might need to reduce your, your medication. That can really be due to their medicine not working. So, you know, definitely, definitely, this is a very important thing is we can no longer use TSH reliably if you're on levothyroxine or synthroid. So automatically we know you need more labs than that, right? Really, we need a full, like we talked about earlier, a full thyroid panel. So that is TSH, which stimulates your thyroid. And then you need your output hormones. You need your free T4. You need your free T3, which is your active thyroid hormone, your most important thyroid hormone. And then you need your inhibitory hormone, your reverse T3. You need to know how much inhibition your body is creating and blocking potentially the absorption of your active thyroid hormone. So that's again, TSH, free T4, free T3, reverse T3. And that is just your, your thyroid function. That gives us an idea of what's going on. Right. That's not Hashimoto's. But so for Hashimoto's, that's totally different. That's TPO antibodies, thyroglobulin antibodies. So that's the autoimmune condition component. Absolutely. Okay. And those are the things that we want. And I know that we're going to be talking about this in just a moment. I know that most of you guys are listening to this in your car right now, or you are doing something else. Goodness knows women are phenomenal multitaskers. McCall, honey, you have the most incredible gift that we're going to talk about in just a moment, but it is how it's not only explains the full lab panel, but then what all of these labs do and what you should be looking for. So we'll have that as a cool little gift for everybody too. If indeed you're like, I just want to have more context, we've got you covered. Totally. And I'll even give you a tiny bit more than that. I'll even tell you where your labs should be. So, and we'll get into this too, but the important thing to know is, you know, where you stand as far as your thyroid function goes. And I'll give you that in black and white too, as far as what I use in, in modern thyroid clinic every day, all day. And yeah, let's talk about that. So as far as thyroid lab ranges go, now that we know the type of panel that we need, what is really normal? Because you know, girl, they are telling us that normal and it isn't normal, right? Right. A a new study came out this year again that says, you know, well, actually we shouldn't be treating people until their TSH is above 10. So anything below 10 is normal, which would mean, you know, we would all be on disability and non-functioning human beings if our TSH is 9.5 until we get treated. Um, So here's, and I'll sum this up as quickly as I can, but there's a few struggles with the quote normal range that your doctor's using. The first is that there is no standardized normal, meaning, you know, Quest Lab in Austin, Texas, close to my office, their definition of normal is different than the LabCorp 10 minutes down the street and is even different than another Quest Lab location 20 minutes down the road. So every lab's location and every lab or hospital in general has their own definition of normal. And they get those normal standardized ranges by selecting a group of people in their database and formulating averages based on them. So I want you to think about this with me for a minute and process it a little bit. What's happening is they're selecting people. Let's say Quest Labs is selecting 3,000 people and creating averages to determine what TSH is okay. They are not excluding people with hypothyroidism when they're selecting those people. So they're not excluding people with the diagnosis they're trying to rule out when they're creating those standardized ranges. So someone with a TSH of 57, who's borderline comatose or almost headed that way, could be you know, averaged in with someone with a TSH of zero who's hyperthyroidism. 
you know, that is going to make our normal range way, way too wide. So, you know, that creates room for error and room for people to stay sick. Then when your doctor looks at that lab result, he or she just looks to see if it falls within that range by seeing if it's in bold or off to the side. So if it's not in bold or off to the side, it's assumed to be normal. They don't understand that every lab's results that they're looking at varies on what's okay and what's not okay. So when I started my niche in thyroid, I based my quote normal or optimal ranges based on a subset of research that excluded people with hypothyroidism, family history of hypothyroidism, and symptoms. That was many years ago. Now, because I have the highest percentage of thyroid patients in the state, I'm able to collect constant data to see where people actually become asymptomatic, where they get their lives back. So about every 18 months, my ranges for what's okay and what's not okay for each of those labs we just talked about become more and more narrow. And I find truly, if I can get everyone into all of these labs into these very extremely narrow margins, it's like a light switch comes on and people get their lives back. So, you know, everything has to be done, in my opinion, with precision. Thyroid treatment is not something that is guessed. It's not the likelihood of a complex thyroid patient getting their life back from their doctor constantly just randomly increasing their medication, hoping that it's going to work out is kind of like winning the lottery. For some people that does work, thank God. But for my patients, that would never work. It has to be precise, controlled, predictable, and done with a lot of attention to detail. And when that happens, it's predictable. And then people get their lives back. I really appreciate that. That's incredible. But it's also, it's also concerning too, right? That, you know, we hope that there are a lot of functional doctors out there watching the data and being as precise as you are when you're looking at those, those numbers. Should we be getting a second opinion? Clearly inside the guide that we have, we're going to be looking at what is really normal or what you have found to be very normal with that precise kind of window of what it should look like. And I clearly everyone's a little bit different. Should we just use this guide as something that we should be looking at as a baseline too for ourselves? Should we use this guide when we're going and connecting with a functional doctor? Because like I said, most of the time that I meet conventional, when I connect with conventional doctors or patients who've had conventional doctors, they're just not again, they, they're told they're normal over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of depends on what part of the journey you're on. Part of my goal with Thyroid Nation is to really take the platform that I've been given and create resources for people to be able to have access step-by-step step to what they need to be able to get their life back. So, you know, that's access to being able to get real labs if their doctor won't order it. It's being able to get answers if their labs are in the right place or if they're really far off. It's being able to get access to doctors who can help them solve the, the puzzle and put, put the pieces of their thyroid function back together. I mean, I think the more informed you are, the better luck you're going to have to guide your care. Because if you are under the care of a conventional doctor, I would say, 60% chance he or she, and I hear this from people all the time, would actually let 
their patient help influence their care. Like they, they will be like, oh, so you want to try this medication? Okay, well, we could do that, you know, but they need a little guidance because the reality is, is that they're not really thoroughly trained in how to manage thyroid. They're just trained to put people on levothyroxine, get their labs. If they have room to increase, they just go to the next dose up. And they just kind of repeat that cycle until hopefully the person feels good and the labs are within an okay range. So a lot of doctors are okay with patients somewhat guiding their care. And you know, I think that's one option. Option two is absolutely try and find a functional medicine doctor who, even if they aren't well-versed in thyroid, you can darn well be sure they want to learn. You know, I had functional medicine doctors reaching out to me constantly asking for help and insight and trying to, you know, I'm trying to put together a course for them, trying to get me to hurry up and do that so they can learn. People want to learn because there are so many thyroid patients that need help and, and it's masterable and they can help so many people. Well, I'm so grateful that a lot of people are reaching out and I'm so glad you're creating that course, girl. That is awesome. You know, we did talk about kind of the standard procedure for conventional medicine is to just put patients on medication. And let's be honest, it's, it's the wild, wild west, it feels like when it comes to that. So a lot of women are on thyroid meds and definitely do not feel right. What's next? Because if they go back, most likely in most instances, they're just going to notch them up on the thyroid medication. That's typically what I see a lot. Very good question. So, you know, if you have access to getting real labs and and you can get the labs you need in in the thyroid lab guide that you can download, uh, that we'll give you the link for. If you're listening on audio, you can get it at thyroidnation.com forward slash gift. And we'll put that in the show notes, I'm sure. But if you are a person who is unable to really use your thyroid medication well, and most of those people would be people on levothyroxine or Synthroid that go to their conventional doctor and they increase their medication and they just don't really ever get the relief that, that they're hoping for. Most likely you're having what I call is a conversion disorder. You're having issues converting your medication to the active form of thyroid hormone, a free T3 it's called. So you're being given the analogy, I use a lot of crude oil and you're not able to make gasoline from it. And so if we keep giving you more crude oil and you can't convert it to gasoline, you're still not going to be able to go anywhere in your car, no matter how much crude oil we give you. A lot of crude oil. So we got to find a way to give you gasoline. And so what I recommend to most of my patients for that is incorporating some form of T3 into your medication regimen. And if you're already you know, a long time into levothyroxine, a lot of the, the easiest way to do that with a conventional doctor, especially they're most comfortable adding in what's called cytomel or lyothyronine. And that's a synthetic, a man-made form of T3. And my biggest pearl to you guys today would be if you can talk your doctor into that. And I really believe that a lot of you can is to have them do that in the morning and around two to 3 PM because it's very short acting. So if you don't do it twice a day, you're going to kind of crash in the afternoon. And that's kind of the biggest thing I see for people coming into my practice that have talked their doctor into it before they've seen me is they're always on once a day dosing and then they feel pretty miserable in the afternoon. So definitely I would say always try and see if you can add in some form of T3. Another form of thyroid medication that you can always pursue if, especially if you're kind of newer into the thyroid sphere and you're not on a high dose of levothyroxine, 
would be natural desiccated thyroid. These are drugs like Armour Thyroid, WP Thyroid, Nature Thyroid, NP Thyroid. So these are pig thyroid gland that's part inactive and part active thyroid hormone. I'm actually on Armour myself. Big pearl here too. Again, these have to be dosed twice a day, right? In the morning and around 2 to 3 p.m. That's kind of newer information that I'm trying to spread the word to everyone I know. The active component in those is only going to last for six to eight hours at most. So you're going to leave people really foggy and tired in the afternoon unless they're dosed twice a day. So try and advocate for that as well if you can talk your doctor into it. Okay. Well, those are some really great tips on how to kind of help manage your own care. Clearly, it's important to be looking at all those pieces and really assessing how you're feeling once you start medication, just really knowing your body. Here's a question that I get a lot, and I'm sure it's a question that you get a lot as well. You know, a lot of my patients are just hoping and praying or readers too that at some point they will get to the root cause of what's going on with their thyroid and that maybe they could get off their medications. Are there instances where you see that? Maybe you catch someone really early because I feel like there is a point of no return where someone may have had so much thyroid damage that they just don't have enough functioning thyroid to really get their body back on track. So can you speak to that a little bit? Because it's, you know, in this wellness world, clearly nobody wants to be on medication. Right. Yeah. You know, I feel pretty impassioned about that topic, um, mainly because it is my belief, right? So my biggest niche is my belief system for my entire practice is your thyroid numbers, your thyroid function has to be perfect, or essentially you're going to have thyroid symptoms. So it's a delicate, intricate thing. And so a large portion of the people with thyroid issues, especially by the time they make it to me, if they were to really work hard on their lifestyle and really work hard and even put their Hashimoto's into remission, which I do very frequently in my practice, they have lost enough thyroid function that if we even took them off their medication very, very slowly over time, they would revert back to a hypothyroid state. Maybe not at first, and they might not feel it at first because often, you know, your adrenal glands will compensate for a while and you won't necessarily feel the symptoms. And then, isn't it amazing how both the yes. adrenals and the thyroid compensate for one another? I mean, and they do a very good job for they a while. Do for a while until they don't. Until they don't. And then it is bad, you know. And, and I struggled with a patient of this in my practice who was seeing you know, a, another healthcare provider in addition to me. And he was very adamant that she get off her thyroid medicine and her TSH was 47. And I was scared out of my mind, you know, but I was trying to respect her wishes and was like, okay, well, we will do this. I will follow you very closely and I will make sure that you're doing okay. And she did okay for a while because her adrenals were compensating and then she completely tanked. And she was very stable before she decided to come off thyroid medication and felt really good. So it's a delicate thing. The main person that I get to, to take off thyroid medication long-term is someone who comes to me with a pure conversion disorder. So they come to me and basically their output, their T4 hormone and their TSH look good. So their actual thyroid gland is functioning fine but they're not activating their hormone. They're not converting their T4 to T3 well, which is lifestyle influenced. 
it's stress, it's inflammation, it's micronutrient depletion, it's poor sleep, it's sickness, it's poor caloric intake or protein restriction. So if we can clean up that person's lifestyle, we can take them back off thyroid medication and a lot of times they can succeed. That is a unique and rare five to 8% of my patient population. The rest of people, the rest of the people I see would have some level of symptomatic recurrence. And what I tell people is this is, hey, my patients are the boss and I'm the facilitator. If they want to do it, I will do it. But you know, five years, two years even, five years, seven years down the road, if you have hypothyroidism and you want to come off your medication so you don't have to take medication, there's a high likelihood you're going to end up on you know, a cholesterol medication, a blood sugar medication, purely from a, a thyroid disorder because it's going to cause issues elsewhere. You have to understand it. I know a lot of you guys understand that the thyroid is the gas pedal for the metabolism, but it has a profound impact on our other metabolic hormones. And so if, if this is one isn't addressed, well, it's just a big cascade effect that happens. I think that's important. It's, you know, it's a question that comes up. I knew what the answer was going to be, but it's one thing for me to say it. And it's another thing for you to say it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, may we all say it. May we all say it. And I just want to take a moment and say, I know how frustrating and devastating it is to, you know, not have been diagnosed that it had gone on for many years, maybe for, for those who are listening and to hope and wish that, you know, not only getting to the root cause, having that integrative approach to healing, healing your body, healing your thyroid, reducing the inflammation, yet it may not, it may not ever necessarily be possible to get off, off medications for good, potentially get them lowered and, you know, and feel like you're thriving. But I just wanted to be able to speak to that today, because I know that's a question that comes up a lot. I know where it stems from. I know I myself, you know, people are asking me, it's amazing to me, McCall, people ask me all the time, well, are you on thyroid meds still? Did you get on thyroid meds? Like, and I know that they're curious, but they're also, I mean, there's a hope in there. There's a curious in there. And there's also, I feel like a tiny bit of judgment. <laughs> like you should be able to heal your thyroid without medication kind of a thing. And you shouldn't just so you oh, know. I know, by the way, I shouldn't. And here's the thing to my audience, I'm probably never going to be off of thyroid medications, you know, for me either. Yeah. For as long as I went misdiagnosed, it's just not going to happen. McCall, you said you too, you know, and when, because you have been, you got diagnosed a while back. Oh my gosh. I think I was in college. I was 19, you know, I was so young and I'm celiac and I was celiac till I was 24 until I figured it out. So long, long time of one autoimmune disease without knowing when you have one, it breeds others. And so it bred Hashimoto's. And so, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll never go back, but also you couldn't take my thyroid medicine away from me if your life depended on it. Cause I won't give it up. It's, it's given me back my life. And I think that that is so important to hear. I know that we talk so much. I mean, clearly none of us want to be on medication, but you have to realize how truly important these hormones are. This T3 is, there are receptor sites on every single cell in the body when it comes to thyroid function and how the body functions as well. And so it's, it's important that we put in extreme importance on this and also to let you know that it's okay. If indeed you find that you're not a, that rare percentage where conversion is the issue, then the beautiful thing is, is you get your life back, especially when we cue into the exact type of medication and lifestyle that you need to be living and, and you get to thrive. 
And so I just wanted to just speak to that today as well. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for, for spreading that word. Cause there's so much hope and it can be disappointing, but I promise it's worth it. I love that. And I love that take. I'm so glad we got to have that part of the conversation. So now I don't know when this goes live, if your podcast is going to be off the ground, but you guys want to be looking out for it. It is called thyroid nation, but I also, we we've mentioned the lab guide a couple of times. I heard the URL. It's going into the show notes. It'll be on my on my podcast blog, but it is thyroidnation.com slash gift. And that's going to give you her complete thyroid guide, not only the labs that you need, but what they mean. Because the thing is, is knowledge is power. When we have knowledge, we get to demand what we deserve in terms of our health care. And I think that it's important to advocate for yourself. I know how difficult it can be, especially when doctors are are giving you the runaround and they seem confident when they're doing it. I'll tell you what, I wish I didn't have to say that we had to advocate for our health, but we just do these days. Yes, we do. And it's good that we can. With resources we have now, we can do it successfully. Yes, we absolutely can. Anything else, McCall? Anything, any last words, anything you want to end with on today's interview? One, thanks for having me. Two, there is so much hope. Three, this is not in your head. Your symptoms absolutely are not in your head. And four, there is no reason to still have thyroid symptoms, y'all. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on. Sharing your brilliance, girl. I just love it. All right, we'll we'll talk soon. All right, thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. It's pretty clear that I am absolutely in love with McCall's message. I am so grateful for her immense support that she has provided with me, along with thousands of other people who are struggling with thyroid dysfunction. I want to strongly encourage you to go and grab her comprehensive lab guide. As you guys know, a lot of people, millions of people are misdiagnosed as having a normal thyroid when something is truly wrong because of the lab normals out there. We talked about that in the episode today. This lab guide has been revamped and revamped and revamped as she continues to see even more patients. Not only is she going to give you the labs that you need, but also what they mean so that when you get those labs run, no matter what doctor is looking at them, you will know exactly what's happening as well so that you can make an informed decision about your health. Now, this link for this incredible guide is going to be in the show notes for episode 105, or you can go to the website at drmarisa.com slash podcast, and you just look for episode 105 there. Um, now, I wanted to just mention really quickly, thank you so much for stopping by and listening into the Essentially You podcast. On the next episode, we are continuing this thyroid conversation with my dear friend, Emily Kybird. We're going to be talking about how to jumpstart your workout if you struggle with Hajimoto's. You guys know that was what I was diagnosed with. And let me tell you, I had to change the way that I was working out because what I was doing was totally burning me into the ground. And I love that Emily's got such a great sense of how we continue to work out when we're struggling with Hajimoto's because guess what? Movement is everything. I can't emphasize that enough. And it's something I don't ever want to give up. So I'm so grateful. I know that place where I felt chronically fatigued after working out and having Emily come on and share that is going to be such an incredible, incredible gift for all of us. As I mentioned earlier on the show, join me just coming up on Tuesday, July 9th for the Summer Book Club with the Essential Oils Hormone Solution book. 
You can catch me on Facebook or IG to participate and make sure that you've got a copy of the book because you want that full experience and you want the solutions at your fingertips. I can't wait to see you there and I can't wait to answer your questions. Until then, you guys have an amazing, amazing day. Bye.